let's take this baby home, shall we, for the week? Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight on Sportsnet five ninety the fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and Sportsnet as the Cleveland Guardians open a three game series with the Blue Jays at the Rogers Center. Tanner Bybee on the mound for the Guardians. Chris Bassett for the Blue Jays. And um, we mentioned before the uh, break, this could be, I mean, I I think we can say it will be, uh, the last time we get to see Terry Francona manage a game uh, in Toronto. He has... Certainly sent out enough feelers or indicated to enough people that this is his last season managing in the majors. That in um, vintage Terry, he's probably not going to come out and say that that is necessarily the case because uh, if you know anything about Terry, I don't think he'd be one for having big going away presentations at every ballpark um, for the rest of the way. But... Um, yeah, he he is is very much. Uh, Buck Martinez is absolutely right. He's clearly he's clearly a Hall of Fame manager, um, and I don't know. You know, it's a, it's like the dude managed in Philadelphia, and he managed in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is still a tough city, but he managed in Philadelphia at a time where it was really tough to be a Phillies manager. Of course, he managed in Boston, won a World Series with the Red Sox. Uh, we all know what uh, managing in 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 Boston is like, and um, you know, we all know what playing baseball in Boston is like. And uh, I just, I, I, he's always, he's always kind of intrigued me because it's not that I, I wouldn't say people take that they don't take Terry Francona seriously. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, but I think sometimes he could be so self-deprecating that there was a tendency or has been a tendency to not give him his due. He has, uh, I was thinking before coming on the show, he's making uh, making up a list of players, just players Terry Francona has managed over his career. Like the personalities. I mentioned this, uh, Michael Jordan. He was Michael Jordan's minor league manager when Michael Jordan got the idea of playing baseball. Um, He's, I mean... I can't put it any other way. He's managed a bunch of he's managed dudes that were a handful. I mean, he's managed dudes that would have that would have caused other managers and in some cases did cause other managers to seek a, to seek a different line of work. Uh he he really is one of the one of the defining managers uh of this decade. And as I said, if this is his last series in Toronto, um yeah, at some point, I don't know how you would do it some point it would be nice if uh, folks gave him a little bit of a send-off. That's how I feel about it, at least. Let's bring in Tom Hamilton, who's the Cleveland Guardians play-by-play voice. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Look, uh, you know, we, we're talking a little bit about about Terry here and, you know, whether or not it's his last season. I mean, it certainly seems as if as if that that's going to be the case. Um, if it is one, well, I'll ask you to, what's your reading of his, of his job status, first of all. And secondly, if it is his last year, does that come as a surprise to you? Uh, well, hi, Jeff. Good to be with you. One, I'm not going to make the announcement for Tito, but what I'll say is this, Jeff, 
you can read the tea leaves and you would be dead on. Hmm. And uh, how how about that for a hint? So I mean, and and it's pretty obvious based on what he said. And um, obviously, you haven't been listening to the pregame show with right. our manager segment with Tito and I, but he's all but admitting it, Jeff. But you know, he wants to reserve that right mm-hmm. uh, to make that decision at the end of the year. And I think more importantly, and I was listening to your comments, and you're dead on in regards to Tito and what he has accomplished and how he's done it and whatnot. He wants this to still be about the players. And, you know, this is – and when you're a former player like he is, these guys always realize it's not about them. It's about a guy wearing the uniform that's playing the game. And he doesn't want that focus off them and on him. He also doesn't want a farewell tour, yeah. even though he's earned it and deserves it. But that's Tito, and that's why – in my mind, he's not only as good a manager as we have ever seen in the game and as a, a lock for the Hall of Fame, but he might be the most humble, down-to-earth person that we've ever had in this game. I'll give you an example, Jeff, and I don't want to go on a diatribe here for you, but when we won the pennant against Toronto, went to the World Series, that next spring in 2017, they were offering everybody in the organization, the opportunity to get a picture with Tito and the American League Championship trophy. And Tito said, oh, I think that's a great idea. But when you say everybody, it's going to be everybody. I won't do this unless every worker in that ballpark has the same opportunity. I don't care if they're janitors. I don't care if they're security people. I don't care if they're people that are cleaning the ballpark at the end of a ball game. Whoever wants that picture has to be given the same opportunity and will set three days aside X number of hours every day. And can you imagine what it meant to those people? They were like, wait a minute, this guy wants to have a picture with me and the American League Championship trophy? That's because Tito has never felt that he's above any walk of life. And there are not many people in this world that can make that claim. Tom, what is it about him as a person that has allowed him, do you think, to have success with not just all the different personalities he's had, but, I mean, God, he's had veteran teams. You know, yep. he's had teams with dudes like Jason Veritek, and, I mean, he's had some veteran veteran teams with the Guardians, but he's also had, I mean, he's had some young teams. Look at last year's team. Uh, what is it about him that allows him to relate to uh, a David Ortiz and, a, I don't know, a Bo Naylor? One, I think it always goes back to your mom and dad. I'm a firm believer that there are no such thing as bad kids. There are a lot of bad parents, but there are no bad kids. He had great parents, and his dad was a lifer in the game, and so Tito was around this game for a long time. His dad was the same kind of man, and you talk to anybody that played with the original Tito, and they'll tell you he was the greatest teammate they ever had. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, the old adage of the apple didn't fall far from the tree is certainly true in that regard. His communication skills, his intelligence, his common sense is the best that I've ever seen. And his ability to communicate with Latinos, with Americans, um, again, it's I haven't seen anybody that does it better than he. And the other thing, Jeff, guys know when they play for him, There's no hidden agenda. They may ask Tito a question and not like the answer, but they'll get an honest answer. And so they always know where they stand with Tito. 
And, you know, again, in this day and age, it seems like a simple thing. Seems like a common sense thing, but that's not always the case. And so, uh, to your point, think of having to handle Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, and, uh, you know, Jason Veritek, Kurt hmm. Schilling, some of those mammoth egos, but great players, and then win two World Series there when they hadn't won in 86 years. Somehow he gets fired, which says all you need to know about Boston ownership. Then he comes to Cleveland, where you're never going to have a payroll comparable to the Red Sox. And he was okay with that challenge. And, you know, again, I don't want to bring up bad memories for Blue Jay fans, but we win the pennant here in Toronto with a minor leaguer, Ryan Merritt, right. pitching in the deciding game because Trevor Bauer had butchered his finger after one start in the division series with that drone accident and really incapacitated him, and we were shorthanded with Danny Salazar and Carlos Carrasco also on the injured list. Instead of Tito going, oh, my Lord, there's no chance, his attitude and his message was to the players, it may be harder, but that doesn't mean we can't accomplish it. Yeah, no, that is that's that's great insight uh, into uh, into Terry Francona, and you know, as I said, I mean, m- most of my dealings with Terry were when uh, were when he was with the Red Sox, ma- uh, managing the Red Sox, and I'd be covering the postseason, and I was always impressed with how he uh, just how he moved about. You know that 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 little tiny bandbox clubhouse <laughs> that the Boston Red Sox have, and just his demeanor and the way he kind of dealt with dealt with things that came with being the Boston Red Sox manager you never got you never got the impression he was over his skis you always got even no. if he may have been in some situations he may not have he may have been making it up as he went along you always got the impression he had the answer well and Jeff Tito will tell you that you know it was a hard way to learn but he learned with his first managerial job in Philadelphia yeah I mean there are not many tougher towns from a sports fan standpoint and from a critical standpoint from the media than Philadelphia. And he had no chance to win there. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. And Tito will tell you that the only day he thought they had a chance to win was the day Kurt Schilling pitched. <laughs> and when he got fired, he was like, I may never get another managerial job again. How many times does a first-time manager get a job with a bad team that's the only opportunity they ever get. Yep. He knew how fortunate he was to get it with the Red Sox. He obviously, you know, we know what he did. And again, when he was hired in Cleveland, we were like, Tito wants to come to Cleveland? He he wants to come to here with the restrictions and the hurdles that he's going to have to deal with? And, you know, again, I think what he's done in Cleveland, this is his 11th year, Jeff. This is in all likelihood going to be his really only losing season. Uh, the other season that we had that was a losing season, we were 80 and 82, but he didn't manage a lot of that year because right. of health. To do that in the market the size of Cleveland, one, it's a credit to our front office, and it was started by Mark Shapiro, who's obviously done a great job here along with Ross Atkins. And then Ross, or I should say Mark, handed it over to Chris Antonetti. You know, the Cleveland front office has been incredible, starting with Hank Peters, you know, John Hart, Danny O'Dowd, Mark Shapiro, now Chris Antonetti. But, again, 
Tito gave us a credibility that we did not have until he took over in 2013. We had three awful years losing 94 games a year and get to the playoffs the first year that Tito's the manager, and all of a sudden everything that you thought was impossible became possible. Yeah. Now that's a, that is a great line that uh, Tito specialized in that between that and uh, getting the World Series of Boston, something I honestly never thought I'd see for, for a long time. Uh, whoever takes over from him is going to oh. have a uh, pretty good going to have a pretty good young pitching staff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking in, in particular about tonight's starter, Tanner Bybee, of course, <laughs> the Jays remember him very well from the last time the last time they saw him. Tom, you've been around this 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 team for a while. Uh, where does this core, this young core of pitching, rank in your mind? And Ooh. where would you put Tanner among um, among the group of Indians pitchers? You, uh, sorry, Guardians pitchers you've seen in the past. <laughs> That's okay, Jeff. I say Indians all the time, yeah. and I get plenty of letters and crayons when I do say it. So don't worry. Um, you know, I Tanner Bybee's one of the best youngsters that we've had come up here. Now, you know, it's weird. Gaylord Perry won the Cy Young in 1972. Cleveland did not have another Cy Young Award winner until C.C. Sabathia in 2007. Then all of a sudden we get Cliff Lee in 2008. And then we get Corey Kluber twice winning the Cy Young. Then Shane Bieber wins the Cy Young in 2020. So we've really been blessed here um, starting, you know, with C.C. Sabathia. I don't know that I've ever seen a more imposing or more impressive young pitcher in my 34 years with Cleveland than when C.C. Sabathia came up as a rookie in 2001. I mean, he was incredible, and he's headed to Cooperstown, and he's one of the best people we've ever had wear the uniform. You talk to his teammates, he's one of the best teammates anybody's ever had. So I can't compare anybody to CC Sabathia because I don't think that's fair to them or to CC. But Corey Kluber wasn't as impressive initially as Tanner Bybee has been. Shane Bieber got to kind of ease his way in because we had a veteran staff with Kluber, Carrasco, and uh, Trevor Bauer. But what this kid has done, you know, we're starting four rookies, Jeff, because mm-hmm. of all of the injuries. Cal Quantrill, you can imagine how he wanted to pitch here, uh, being from just down the road. He's on the injured list. Shane Bieber's on the injured list. Tristan McKenzie's out. So we're going with four rookies. So they haven't had an ease-in period. So, it, you know, it, it's not like comparing apples to apples. But I think in Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams, you have two potential number one starters. We've never had two of those guys at the same time come up together. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of his underlying numbers, you know, during his last 10 outings. The four-seamer hitters are hitting 202 on it. Breaking balls, they're hitting 191. Uh, I mean, overall, they're hitting 227 against his breaking ball this year and 236 against his fastball. What else do you need? <laughs> Good luck, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, what what else do you need if you're um, if you're a starting pitcher? What what has to happen? Do you think for the Guardians to take the step forward next year? Ooh, well, I, and I'll always say this, and I know it sounds like an excuse, and I don't want it to because every team deals with it. But markets like ours and teams like ours have a much smaller margin for error. And so we just can't afford 
the kind of injuries that have decimated the rotation this year. And quite honestly, we have to have a better offseason. The signings didn't work with Mike Zanino and Josh Bell. And we need more thump in this lineup. You need your young kids to obviously mature and keep getting better. But I think we need to go out and get a couple of hitters. Now, that's easy for me to say because I'm not going to hand them over my wallet, and that wouldn't get you much anyway. But um, going out and getting some of the kind of position players that Toronto has, we don't have that right now. And for as great as this organization has been at developing pitching, we've not been able to do the same thing with position players. I think we've got some young position players that have a chance here to be really good, but we're still looking for that middle-of-the-order thumper. And, you know, we thought we had it in the Fran Mill Reyes trade, and, you know, he had a couple of good years, and, you know, now he's basically out of baseball. So we've got to get more thump. We're dead last in run scored. I mean, you folks saw that. I still don't know how a four-game series with Toronto ended up with 13 total runs being scored. Oh, I do. Believe clubs. me, I know how it happened. I've seen the Jays. Believe me, I know how it happened. But, no, I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Well, we're, we're also fortunate, Jeff, that we're in a division right now that who knows where the White Sox are going yeah. and what they're going to do. That, that, that may be a total overhaul. Kansas City, it's taking a long time for this rebuild to, you know, turn the corner. Looks like Detroit is getting better. And obviously the Minnesota Twins are decent, but we're not looking here going, well, how are we matching up with Baltimore? Yeah. How are we matching up with Toronto? I mean, Boston, you know, look what they did the other night, 17 runs against Houston. So um, we are fortunate to be in the division that we're in. And so I think you can be an impactful division winner quicker, obviously. And that's the understatement of the year. I don't think this club has got to do a ton of things, but we have to get better as far as some power in this lineup. Tom, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Always good to talk to you, my friend. We'll uh, we'll see you down in the ballpark. Oh, thanks, Jeff. It was an honor to be with you. I appreciate you asking, and uh, sure hope you folks are playing in October because I know what it means up to this region and the entire country, and it, it's fun when the Blue Jays are good like you guys are now. Yeah, it is. Thanks, man. Be well. Thanks. You too. Tom Hamilton, Cleveland Guardians, play-by-play voice. Uh, and again, 7.07 will be the first pitch tonight. Tanner Bybee. Since June 24th, he's 6-1. and one. He has an ERA of 2.09 in 10 starts. That leads the AL. It's second in the ML only in Major League Baseball, only behind Blake Snell. Hitters are hitting 216 against him with a 598 OPS during that stretch. Two or fewer runs in eight of his last 10 starts. Since June 24th, he's recorded a quality start in six of his 10 outings and has a total of nine in the season. And as I've mentioned, over the last 10 outings, his breaking balls have been virtually, virtually unhittable. And uh, this is remarkable. The Cleveland Guardians are one of only two major league teams, along with Oakland, to have six different rookies throw 30-plus innings this year. So whoever does take over from Terry Francona, well, they know they'll have Jose Ramirez in, in the lineup, which is, is, is obviously a good thing. But uh, Tom, Tom is absolutely right. Uh, you know, the Guardians are 60 and 68, but they've got the pitching base. They've got a lights-out closer. They've got some bullpen depth. It's not inconceivable. 
it's not inconceivable that whoever replaces Terry Francona uh, ends up walking into a situation where with just a couple of good off-season acquisitions to the lineup, be walking into a situation where the team is very well poised to win a division because the AL West, uh, I'm sorry, the AL Central is, uh, I mean, there's no behemoth there. The Minnesota Twins are smart. Uh, They generally make good decisions. They've got good pitching this year, but the Chicago White Sox are a mess that screams rebuild. Detroit, they're taking steps forward but they're very measured steps forward. Uh, Kansas City Kansas City might be a team that ends up surprising people and coming a little faster than people thought, but they've also got some major decisions to make and none of those teams frankly have none of those teams have the quality of young pitching that uh, that the Cleveland Guardians do. So if I'm a someone looking to step into a a ready-made position as a manager, man, I'm really I'm really looking at the Cleveland Guardians. And, of course, the other thing with the Guardians is with all that pitching depth, uh, if you can't get a bat in free agency, and free agency tends to be, uh, you know, it's a difficult road for, the, for, for Cleveland, you can always put together a trade to, uh, to, address, that, to address that situation. So, yeah, the, the, the Guardians are they're having a down year, but uh, don't sleep on them for next season, largely because, as I said, of the division that they play on. We're a little more than half an hour away from first pitch. Jeff Passan is going to join us in a few minutes. He is, of course, ESPN's MLB insider. Let's, uh, to get to the break, let's, uh, let's go back to the back leg line. Let's fill a little bit with the back leg line here. Every time I hear Russ Atkins speak and John Schneider, they sound like politicians. They keep saying the same thing over and over again, hoping that people will buy into it. I'm tired of hearing the word process, exit velocity, bat on ball, percentage contact. I'm in Kevin Barker's uh, garage on this. Look for a fastball, drive it. And if a defender makes a play, okay, I know what to do next time and just keep doing it. It's a simple game. Remember that line from the, uh, the movie that Kevin Costner was in? See the ball, catch the ball, hit the ball. I'm just so tired of this. They are overanalyzing everything. Another Barker thing. They think too much. That's my opinion. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Yeah, no name. Got to leave your name where you're from. I mean, I, I've made this point before about, yeah, first of all, I don't buy that necessarily that John Schneider's necessarily uh, a politician. Um, I, you know, I think, first of all, I think it's in, it, I think I know Ross enough. It's in Ross's nature, I think, to be optimistic. And I really think that's part of it, um, you know, and, and that's, that's not entirely a bad thing. Uh, this is, I know the word process drives you nuts, but I, I mean, this organization they do work through things. They have a lot of people involved in making decisions when it comes to baseball. That is the way the Guardians do it, or sorry, did it when Mark Shapiro was there as well. I don't pretend to know if they still do it. I presume they did. 
the New York Yankees, they have a lot of people involved in, in the decision-making process. I don't mind info. My question with this team is how is it being delivered to the hitters? As far as their personality goes, again, I, I, I mean, I've talked to John several times on and off the record. The thing you have to keep in mind, the thing you have to keep in mind is what you hear from someone on the record isn't 99% of the time isn't the way they are off the record. But if you're John Schneider, you know, there's no percentage in you throwing people under the bus. I mean, there just isn't. Not individually. You can kind of call out the team as a group, which you did last night. But individually, there's no percentage in that. And Ross Atkins, you put the team together. Ross Atkins can't come out today and say, hey, guess what, people? I blew it. I, 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 I understand the general manager has to speak. But what I often don't understand is what people expect them to say. Jeff Passan of ESPN joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays open a three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians at the Rogers Center, beginning a run of 15 games against teams. The record of 500 or worse. And um, they will be up against Tanner Bybee tonight, who uh, the last time the Jays faced him. Um, well, pretty much single-handedly reinforced or emphasized, I guess, all our worst nightmares about the uh, Jays lineup. Um, I guess the difference in that particular game was that it, that really was one of those instances where you could tip your cap to the pitcher because he, he was remarkable. Let's see if he can do the same thing here at the Rogers Center. Chris Bassett is up against him. Chris Bassett's been awfully good at home. Um, so let's see where this goes. Uh, we spent a great deal of time talking yesterday about Shohei Otani. Uh, Shohei Otani is, uh, of course, not pitching for the rest of the year. He has uh, got an UCL injury. Um, he is, however, still going to hit. He is in the lineup tonight, as a matter of fact, as designated hitter for the Los Angeles Angels, and they take on the New York Mets. And um, I, I, I gather, well, I'll bring our, our next guest in, uh, Jeff Passan, ESPN MLB Insider. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me. It's just me today. Uh, Barker is actually on holidays, although legend has it he made an appearance at the ballpark today, I'm sure, to pass on. Uh, some hitting tips and words of wisdom to, to the Jays. Uh, not that they would, not that they would listen to it, but, uh, but I mean, they haven't no, listened. They need it though. Well, they haven't listened to anybody else this year. So I, why should they start now? Hey, uh, so, okay. Hey, can, well, I ask you, can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question first? Sure. Um, do you think there's any chance the Jays go after Otani? Huh. 
Uh, well, I was actually going to ask. Is a, this is this is the sort of thing that I would normally ask you off air. But yes. I I just I I I am genuinely curious because somebody brought him up to me yesterday, and I just hadn't given it that much thought. Well, I mean, uh, I hadn't. Yeah. I, I just had I hadn't envisioned a scenario in which. Jay's ownership would be willing to spend half a billion dollars on one player. I mean, here's the thing. Um, I never thought I'd see Jay's ownership uh, be in a position where they would be close to the luxury tax. And I mean, no one would talk about it when it it was just, it was a given that it was going to happen this year. I mean, listen, I've covered this team. I can remember when, uh, you know, when getting, getting to a hundred million would have, I mean, people would have been, would have been driving their cars off the garden or hearing that. So, um, yep. I also know that there, I mean, there's money coming off the books here. Uh, Ryu, sure is. they're not bringing Chapman back. I mean, you can, you know, you can go down the list. Uh, they've got Bo locked up for two more years at a, two more, two more after this. Yeah. yeah at, at a club friendly rate and a rate, a rate that's keeping both of them happy. They do not seem to have any inclination to sign Vladdy to a long-term contract. That's it. And that right there, that, that is the point. That this person made. Yep, me. I could that, see where he's going. That's I, where, like, I was, you know, I was like, really? But you know what? If they were at any point willing to earmark, let's say, three hundred million dollars for Vladdy, or at least toss that around or considered it, um, boy, you don't have to go a whole lot longer. And in the way that. Stuff lines up here. Bobachet's uh, arbitration years run out around the same time Chris Bassett's contract run, runs out, and a year before George Springer and Kevin Gosman's contracts mm-hmm. run out. It's it, it's almost like it lines itself up here. Now, again, this is pure speculation from me, but the, I, I will say this: the Blue Jays were not a team that I would have considered in the past. And they are a team that at very least now I'm going to poke around on and take the temperature on and see if there's anything there because it's not going to be a 600 plus million dollar contract. Yeah. And here's the thing. They do call on everybody, you know, and, and well, I mean, look, yeah, yeah. It was your, it, a lot of the calls are perfunctory though. Like I, you know, I, we can call, you know, I can, I can call a, a like, Lamborghini dealership and say, Hey, um, you know, curious what the tester. No, sorry. Ferrari's a tester. So I don't even know. You can see how good I am with cars and, okay. and you're how a, little you're, I spent. You're a sports journalist. I, I mean, I you don't make like, enough money to buy expensive cars. No, no, no. I drive, I drive a Ford fusion. <laughs> wow. That's all right. I'm still driving a Volkswagen. I got like 300,000 kilometers in my sucker. Hold on. Uh, are you saying a Ford Fusion? Like that's a good thing? I, I, no, yeah. I can. I can, Jeff, I can promise you, it's not a good thing. But it's a it, like this is not something I should be admitting to or proud of. Well, it's not like you're driving no, a van. Other it's Ford not, Fusion I mean, it's not like you're driving a van. A van is a sign that no, you've given up say, on life. Dude, I, mean, dude I will. Well, I will say this. Um, my my eldest is turning sixteen in a month. And he's going to begin driving to school. I just want and my wife to wants to, well, my wife wants to try and uh, make a go of it with just one car between the two of us, which 
I don't know how that's going to work out, but I assume it's going to work out with us probably getting another car. The problem is the other car she'd like to get is a van. Yeah, no. And I'm not sure how I feel about this, oh, but yeah. I have no room, Jeff. Jeff, you know how marriage works. You I know, know how, I do. You know, I, a yes. decade and a half in, I can't say no. No. So it, it feels like the inevitability of the van being pulled into my garage uh, is is nearing a hundred percent, and and I don't I, I don't feel great about it. No, it's, it's a pretty safe bet that after a decade and a half of being married to a sports writer, you owe her something. A, a, any woman who's married to a sports writer for fifteen years, they're owed something. I owe her a minivan. Yeah, not the not the least a place in heaven and a minivan if they wanted as well. What the hell. Um, but no, you know, getting back to Otani, the thing, the, the other thing that's interesting, yeah, they make calls and everybody, but the other thing too is, uh, man, if you're a, if you're a publicly traded company, uh, communications yeah. company, uh, yep. you know, having Shohei Otani sell, uh, iPhones and stuff like that is not, it's not the worst thing on the planet. Oh, are you kidding me? I mean, it, the, that to me is why Otani's still going to make a half a billion dollars. Yeah. I thought honestly, six fifty, which is the number that I've been, you know, when I'm having conversations with people in the industry, that's the number that I've sort of settled on. Um, I thought six fifty not was a bargain, but for what you can get for this extremely well known, and you can't often say that, Jeff, about baseball players. This extremely well known baseball player in the United States, in Canada in the Caribbean, in Asia, and I imagine soon to be in Europe and everywhere else because that is the trajectory of his career regardless of what his ulnar collateral ligament wants to say. If you have a guy like that, then you can do things to your franchise and your brand that nobody else can do, not even close. And and so I feel like spending money on Shohei Otani is, is not – buying home runs or strikeouts um it's buying something that will supercharge your business oh yeah yeah i was going to say it it's again if you're a consumer uh, company if you're a consumer products company uh it 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 makes a lot of it, it makes a lot of sense i just you know there'd be other issues too i mean uh, just exchange rate stadium all that stuff and and you know not sure. to get ahead of ourselves it it would be a big step for Shohei Otani to come play in Canada. And, 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 and the other thing too is, you know, Jeff, you know this as well as anybody. Um, if you get Shohei Otani, there's a lot that comes with that. Like you don't just don't oh drop him in in the middle of your pre-existing five-man rotation and say, have at it, boys. There's a lot that comes with it, especially if he's rehabbing. And that's what I wanted to get at. Like, it, do we, when, will, when will we know whether Shohei Otani will be just Shohei Otani, the hitter next year, or will he have to miss a certain amount of time hitting if he recovers from whatever procedure he's going to take? Like, there's this, this great unknown. I'm trying to figure out whether what happened this week made everybody's offseason easier or it made everybody's offseason more complicated when it comes to Shohei Otani. Um, I, I, you know, I think that Otani, when it comes down to it, is going to have Tommy John surgery. I, I hope I'm wrong, but just reading all of the tea leaves here, um, 
how often do you see a general manager, Jeff, come out and say something as specific as Perry Manassian said, which is that he has a tear in his UCL, Mm -hmm. and then the player doesn't go and get surgery on it? Yeah. (laughs) That's... I I, I think if it were something insignificant, or not not so significant that you would necessarily need surgery, Shohei Otani would have been removed from the game for forearm tightness, for arm fatigue, for something much more general than a tear in his UCL. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I, now again, maybe maybe Perry spoke out of turn. I doubt it. He's he's pretty careful with his words, um, pretty judicious with what he says. And I don't think he would have said that uh, without uh, at least understanding the consequences of it. So I am expecting Tommy John surgery. Again, I hope I'm wrong. You know, Shohei Otani tried to rehab it in June 2018 when he uh, had a UCL tear that took him out of a game, did platelet-rich plasma, did stem cells, did the whole nine yards, and in October he was under the knife. Uh, I think he understands the calendar too, Jeff, and that is a really, really important factor here because generally speaking with Tommy John revisions, which is what it's called when you have the procedure for the second time, uh, the prescribed recovery time is 15 to 18 months back to pitching. Um, If he waits another couple months to have it, we're talking about him potentially not returning until June of 2025. Right. If he has it right now, the 18-month mark is right around March 2025, which would have him ready for the season. And he can still hit in that time. Yes, he can still hit, though. Uh, I mean, the w- thankfully, he's a left-handed hitter because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the lateral side of the right elbow is what gets the most stress when you're a left-handed hitter. So, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't be a problem, but you always run the risk, even if you're wearing an elbow guard, you know, if yeah. you're wearing an elbow guard and you take 198 to the elbow, it's still going to hurt like a bastard. Or you lean back or reach back at first base if you're, you know, we all the stuff we oh. talked about with Bryce Harper, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, I mean, and the, the thing is, like, do you know, everyone knows what it feels like to get hit on the UCL. And I say this because everybody knows what it's like to get hit on the funny bone. And the funny bone is the ulnar nerve, which is right in the same area as the ulnar collateral ligament. So, you know, uh, just going through life, how many times do you get hit on the funny bone a year? And you're just like, ah, it's like yeah. twice a year, right? Yeah. Um, they, they you know, they are always running the risk being out there of having something acute happen like that. And uh, it's it's a scary thought, especially when you're investing hundreds of millions of dollars into a player. Does this increase the likelihood you think that he stays with the with the Angels? He's going to rehab. He knows their doctors. They know him. I mean, they've got everything's there. Um, or do you think it's still going to come down to who, you know, it's going to be a financial decision? I don't understand why this, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people have been suggesting that this changes the calculus potentially in the Angels' favor. I'm not sure why. The Angels stunk this year. They have stunk the last five years he's been there. And he said he wants to win. Yeah. Just because he got hurt doesn't mean he doesn't want to win all of a sudden. 
and where the angels are right now in terms of a farm system that is absolutely desolate as it gets and a big league club that's like a like an has been an average team to slightly below average uh and and has a payroll to the point where if you add another 50 million dollars a year for Otani uh it's going to get to the point where Artie Moreno's not going to want to spend anymore uh, there, there's just no reason other than this is where I like to be or this is where I'm comfortable that Shohei Otani would even consider going back to the Angels mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't I don't discount the fact that uh, humans make decisions for reasons that may not make sense to me or you, but make sense to themselves, and don't be grudging for that either. So if he ends up with the Angels, I'm not going to sit here and say he doesn't want to win. Uh, I'm going to sit here and say that there was clearly something that was more important than that to him, and I, I'm not going to judge him for it. Jeff, we're going to let you scoot. Appreciate you doing this, man. Pleasure is always mine, my friend. Have a great weekend. You too, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the test drive, the uh, minivan test drive. <laughs> yeah, enjoy. Good, uh, good, good verb usage there, buddy. Send, send me a picture of it, and I'll give it the thumbs up or thumbs down. What color are you yeah, leaning I'm sure towards? You're gonna give it. I was going to say, I'm, I'm sure a thumbs up is a real contender there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there'll be something up. It may not be a thumb though, if you know what I mean. Anyhow, take care. <laughs> See you, buddy. All righty, that's Jeff Passon of ESPN. He's going to be shopping for a van this weekend. But you do get his point, right? It's like seriously, if you're if if you're if you've been married to a sports writer, like my wife's been married to me for 38 years, so she's I mean she's already, you know, got all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah, she's already got a free pass to heaven. But I mean, being married for for 15 years, you know, you want a minivan, you get a minivan, right? It's just the way it is, or a a van. I don't even know what a minivan van. Same thing. Um, anyhow, do we have uh, Wagner at the ballpark? I think we have Ben Wagner. Do we not? Wagner, do you have a do you have a van? Jeff, come okay. on, man. Yeah, come on. I know you got it. No. Yeah, I know. Do I, I know. do I have a van? So I've got I've got four wheels that I care about. That's it. That's right. So yeah. okay, you don't have a van. The real question is: <laughs> Do the Blue Jays have any hope? Uh, this is it. This is the hope. We're looking at a two-week window where the Blue Jays feel very confident who they have. A tough pitching staff in front of them over this weekend, but then four of the worst pitching teams in Major League Baseball, and this is where they have to make their hay. Uh, there is a belief that winning 10 out of the next 15 won't get it done. 12 out of the next 15 should be a big boost and put them right there for postseason contention, but uh, to me, you sew up the season and what you do over these next 15 games, knowing that the last two weeks might not matter because of these next 15 games. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, hearing hearing Kevin Gossman a couple of days ago talk about the need for a sense of urgency and hearing, you know, John Schneider kind of put it very bluntly post-game yesterday. Um, you know, look, I, I mean... We hear that every year from the Toronto Maple Leafs that they need to play with a sense of urgency. I, I guess it, it, my question is this: see, This is, they've had great starting pitching, really good, better starting pitching than I thought they'd have. The bullpen's been terrific. They play great defense. They've been healthy as hell. Like they've been almost embarrassingly healthy for the most part this year. And I don't know where that urgency is going to come from. You know what I mean? I don't know if you can hit better 
being more urgent. Um, that, that's what really concerns me. If you try to hit, and we talk to guys all about this, and then you hear the buzzwords come out immediately, right? Well, we're pressing. We're trying to do too much. And it feels like we've had now months of those kind of buzzwords, those kind of things that have been the fallback. But right now, it's put up or shut up time for the offense. It's got to be an offense that chooses to do two things. You either build big innings or you try to knock the ball out of the ballpark and, and hit your way with two or three home runs a night. This team offensively has not had an identity mm -hmm. this season. That's the bottom line. You expected bigger things from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Absolutely. You expected um, a lot more of an encouraging sign from Matt Chapman in the start of his season than what he had. That tapered off. You haven't got a lot of consistency outside of strung together singles from George Springer. Uh, you just have not had all the way around the diamond a go-to and and somebody you know take an opportunity to take a step forward um there it just has not been there yet for the blue jays offensively the rest that's an embarrassment of riches yeah. everybody wants that and they went out they improved the rotation they made the bullpen better coming into the season they made the bullpen better at the trade deadline certainly and it has come away and glowed and since jordan romano has come back that's another tough three outs to get at the back half of the ball game. You want to drop your closer in there and let him get the final three outs. And so far in those three outings, he's been fantastic. And the health thing is a huge thing, right? Where would this team be if it hadn't have been healthy? Mm. And, and hadn't have been healthy from the rotation, the bullpen, and the position player. The biggest injury of the season so far was the three weeks without Bo Bichette, a guy that still leads the American League in hits. And in those 16 games, the team played 500. Yeah. That's a win. Uh, oh, it is. It is absolutely. Uh, just a couple of minutes before we uh, let you run and rest, mm -hmm. uh, rest the pipes. What's the mood down there like today? Uh, tense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, because a lot of the question, and the general manager was asked about it right away earlier today, where do you think you're at with five weeks to go in the regular season? And Ross Atkins said, five weeks to go, we're right there in it. A couple of teams about performed us, us being the Toronto Blue Jays in the GM's mind, uh, but they're, but they're leaning on talking points that they've been leaning on since, really, I, I, I kind of punt on April. And you yes. get into that 30-40 game mark, so let's go back to the beginning of May. And you just kept, you kept waiting on a lot of those things. And I think the thing that everybody knows now has been building a couple of weeks. I got the sense right before I took my little hiatus there, uh, for a week plus, that there had been a growing conversation within the clubhouse for the Blue Jays about where they were falling short in rallies, in approach, runners in scoring position. It was way more of a talking point within the walls of that clubhouse than what was leaking out at that time, where you looked at the schedule, you know the calendar is going to flip into September, and you've got this pocket. Now this pocket becomes a do-or-die pocket, where winning 12 out of the next 15 games becomes paramount for the success of this season. Ben, we're going to let you scoot. Look forward to your call tonight, my friend. Thanks so much. Great to be back. Thanks, Jeff. Ben Wagner, the radio voice of the Blue Jays. 7.05, 7.07 will be the first pitch tonight as uh, the Guardians and the Jays open a three-game series at the Rogers Center, Chris Bassett on the mound for the Jays, Tanner Bybee for the Guardians. The roof is open. Uh, at least it appears to be open, looking at it on the monitor. 
here. And yeah, this is, well, this is where we are. They're a game and a half out of a wild card spot. Um, there's a whole bunch of teams going to be bobbing and weaving around them. Texas, Seattle, Houston, the Boston Red Sox are right behind them. But for the Toronto Blue Jays, as we, uh, we start this weekend series, the key talking point, 15 games against teams that are 500 or worse. Three series coming up against the three worst pitching teams in baseball. We all know what the Jays need to do. Uh, The Jays players seem to know what they need to do. The question is, um, will they finally be able to deliver it? Or when we return on Monday, are we going to be talking about the same old, same old of one nothing loss to a really good pitcher in Tanner Bybee and... and, um, yeah, that's the question The question going forward here. Uh, this is a Guardians team that pitches well. They've played the Jays tough this year. And, uh, well, as John Schneider would say, it's pretty much, you know, the time to get things going is... We got to do it right now. Yeah, that's that's probably, probably the best way to end the show. Thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Kevin Barker will be back alongside me on Monday from 5 to 7 Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Sportsnet. Uh, We will also be doing Blue Jays talk together once Mr. Barker gets back. Again, that will be Monday. Three days worth of baseball. Uh, Well, let's see what the process results in tonight, shall we? Have yourself a great weekend.